Welcome. Come in. Come in. I know well why you are here. You see, it was a dark and stormy night, much like this one, when the official Rasafari vehicle, a hybrid, of course, broke down outside the haunted zoo at Elmwood Park. These recordings are all that remain from that fateful night. But, as the tale goes, those who listen never leave to tell the tale. So tune in, if you dare, to the Rasafari Spooky Spectacular. <laughs> I used to have a fake lizard that I would throw on the floor and then jump on it and catch it and show my family. It was amazing. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Ross Safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast that knows that bats ain't just for baseball, the Rossafari Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today for the start of the Rossafari Spooky Spectacular. For the next three episodes, we are going to be spending some time in spooky season looking at some of the animals that are associated with Halloween and that many people have a fear of. Today, it's all about bats, snakes, and jaguars. Okay, okay. I realize that jaguars aren't a spooky species, but when the opportunity comes up to discuss the jags at Elmwood Park Zoo, you take it. Part two of the Spooky Spectacular focuses on those incredible raptors that are associated with Halloween lore, owls. And then part three will be focused entirely on tarantulas. Will my efforts to truly defeat my lifelong crippling arachnophobia have succeeded enough to allow me to handle a tarantula? You'll have to check out that episode to find out. Speaking of things to check out, don't forget that you can find the podcast and my daily photos at rossafari.com. You can also support the pod at patreon.com slash rossafari and check out my merch at rossafari.redbubble.com. And of course, make sure you're following along at Rossafari on Instagram and Facebook, especially during the Spooky Spectacular, because I have a lot of fun and interesting photos from my time at Elmwood Park Zoo to share with y'all. Also, to make sure you don't miss the rest of the Halloween fun, make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast app. And if you could take the time to drop a five-star rating or even write a review, it would mean a lot to me. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with Kelsey Castro-Giovanni, a keeper at Elmwood Park Zoo who takes care of bats, snakes, and many other awesome animals. Our morning actually started out in the bat exhibit at EPZ, and I'll include some of the audio from that part of the interview at the end of this episode. You'll get to hear more information from Kelsey, my attempt at hand-feeding a bat, and also so many bat noises. These little creatures pack quite the vocal punch. After our time with the bats, Kelsey and I had a great interview, and then she took me to meet their black rat snake, who has an incredibly punny name. You'll hear it in the interview. I'll also make sure to post some pics of my time with that adorable snake as well on Instagram and Facebook. So, as my buddy Carl likes to say, 
Felis one for the mummy. Two for the show. Three to get ready. Now go, bat, go. With Kelsey Castro Giovanni of the Elmwood Park Boo. Er, zoo. Okay, so, tell me, who are you, where are we, and what do you do here? Hi, my name is Kelsey Castro Giovanni. I'm a animal keeper here at Elmwood Park Zoo. All right, very good. And uh, we are here for the start of the Rossafari Spooky Spectacular. So uh, we're going to be talking about some spooky animals today and um, either why they are spooky or maybe demystifying that a little bit. So what, uh, what spooky animal are we going to start off talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about the African straw-colored fruit bats. All right, very cool. And uh, quick question, um, do they actually turn into vampires or not? So these guys definitely don't. Okay, good, good. That uh, that makes sense. Um, I'm sure the insurance is a lot lot worse on the ones that do. <laughs> it's so. definitely a little bit lower. <laughs> good, good. All right. So tell me a little bit about these bats and just um, yeah, just talk to me about them. So these guys live in Africa, as their name might suggest, um, and they actually live in some of the largest colonies of bats, and they have one of the largest bat migrations. Um, and sadly enough for the bats, they're actually a huge food source for a lot of predators that live in the forest around where these guys normally habitate. Um, so they actually, there's a whole species of hawk and eagle that live in that same rainforest that depend just on these bats for their whole breeding season. Um, and these guys are really, really cool. They are mainly frugivores. So that means they eat fruit. So I guess if you're a fruit, you have to watch out. (laughs) Nice. Cool. So um, I know that they're mainly fruitivores, but you have a bat that likes uh, something else. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes. One of our favorite bats, Purple Bat. She has little thumb rings, purple and white. Um, She is one of our best bats. And her favorite food is actually lettuce. Any kind of lettuce, really. She loves kale, romaine, green leaf, red leaf, lettuce, anything you give her, she will scarf that down. (laughs) I love that. And uh, for those listening, I got to feed Purple Bat a little bit of lettuce and she was adorable and took it right from my hand. Um, so purple is obviously the best color. Everyone knows this, but, uh, why is she named purple bat? So one way to identify bats, cause they do look very similar to each other is you put a little ring on their thumb. So if you look at a bat's wing, it actually is just like our hand. Um, and one of their fingers is not part of their wing and that's their thumb. So you just put a little ring on their thumb and different colors and different color combinations can tell you which bat is who. Makes sense. And so how many bats are in the colony here at Elmwood Park? We have 13 bats in our colony. That's amazing. Um, Do they all have color names or is it just the ones with the rings? Just the ones with the rings. And unfortunately, I can't tell you every single bat's name because there are 13 of them. Fair, fair. But they all do have names? They all do, yes. What's the the best, coolest, or funniest non-color name? We have Pandora. Um, I really do like her name a lot. Um, and we actually have a couple, we have a lot of, we have so many different names and we like puns a lot. So <laughs> we kind of do that with all of our animals, unfortunately for them. That's awesome. I mean, puns are a, uh, a big part of the Rasafari podcast, honestly. Um, cool. So, all right, let's talk about, um, bats and their reputation because, uh, bats are not a scary animal or shouldn't be, but a lot of people see them that way. So Talk to me a little bit about what um, what bats do for us. So bats are actually super, super helpful in the environment. So a lot of people think that the biggest pollinators are actually bees. 
Um, but bats actually have a large part in that. Um, bats are major pollinators in lots of areas of the world. There's actually bats that specialize in just drinking nectar. Um, one of the flowers that actually a lot of bats drink are agave. Um, those okay. are the Mexican tube-nosed bats. Hey, everybody. Time for a quick interrupting John. So Kelsey actually reached out to me and let me know that it wasn't Mexican tube-nosed bats she was referring to, but Mexican long-nosed bats. Huge difference, as one has a nose that is shaped like a tube and one has a... You can figure out the rest. Okay, back to the interview. Nice. Um, yeah, so those guys actually pollinate all those flowers. Um, we also have, especially in this area, little bats that eat insects. And those guys eat so many mosquitoes, they actually help curb the mosquito population. Um, one little brown bat can eat over a thousand mosquitoes in one night. Wow, I had no idea. That's yeah. amazing. And those bats only weigh a couple ounces, so they're very small. Very, very cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about bat faces. Bats have amazing faces. The most amazing. <laughs> so they actually have a huge range of different looking faces. So some bats have what look like little pug faces, and they're kind of smushed. Um, and a lot of bats have super crazy looking noses, and you can actually identify different species of bats based on what their nose looks like. Interrupting John again. For instance, a tube-nosed bat has a nose that looks like a tube, while a long nose... Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Okay, back to Kelsey. Um, our bats have little puppy dog faces. They look just like a little dog, um, and a lot of fruit bats have faces just like that. And they have a longer mouth with bigger cheeks so they can hold more fruit in their mouth and get more juice out of those fruits. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, for anyone who's listening to this who's a little freaked out by bats, the biggest thing that I can tell you to do is to hop on the Google machine and uh, look up um, some bat faces and, and especially some fruit bat faces because they literally, uh, Kelsey is not making this up, they they look like little puppy dogs. It's crazy. Um, she mentioned when we were in with them that, you know, you don't have to look like a puppy dog to be a cute animal and that's that's very true. But these bats just do. So there are bats that are, are growing our tequila and bats that are eating our mosquitoes and bats that if you saw their faces, you'd kind of want to pet them. So why do you think it is that bats have the uh, the bad rep that they have? The biggest thing I always hear is that people think bats are going to fly into their hair or land on them. Um, and that's very much not true. It is actually one of my own personal dreams that I walk <laughs> into the bat exhibit and the bats all fly to me and land on me and I become a bat perch. When you took me in there, I had literally the same thought. Even though you told me they would probably stay away, I was like, just come to me, my friends. That is, that is literally my biggest wish. I wish I could just walk in and put my arms out and become a tree for the bats. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. I have never had a bat land on me. I have a bat one time landed on the floor and he touched my boot and then he was like, oh no, that's not a tree. And then he ran away from me on the ground. Um, bats don't want to land on you. They, they really don't want to touch you. Um, I've never had a bat hit me at night and I love going out to watch all of our little brown bats locally eat bugs when, when uh, dusk falls, but I've never had a bat hit me. They either do have decent vision like our fruit bats do and they can see really good. Um, or the smaller bats that live around here have echolocation, and they use that to see using sound. So they know exactly where you are, and they're not going to fly into you, because no one wants to crash. <laughs> right. And even though they are hunters of, of bugs, they're also a prey species. And so their instincts uh, seem to be more in line with that of prey species. They want to run away and stay away. 
Yes, that. They, yeah. they definitely do. Yeah, they have to watch out for all sorts of different predators. If they land on the ground, they can eat, get eaten by ground predators like raccoons and coyotes. But in the sky, they actually have to worry about owls. And owls will eat a lot of bats. And like I mentioned earlier, there are hawks and eagles that will actually eat bats in the wild as well. Crazy. So um, tell me a little bit about um, the new enrichment uh, item that you have on the ceiling of the bats. Oh, so we actually just installed a one-by-one mesh on our roof of our exhibit. So originally we would just use a lot more perching. And we we like to use um, grapevine that grows naturally here in the wild. It is invasive, but we actually cut a lot of it down and use it for our bats. Um, and we used to hang a lot more of that up towards the ceiling, but we actually saw a different zoo using this one-by-one mesh. And we're like, let's give it a try. So we attach that to the ceiling, and our bats love it. That is where they spend like 80% of their time now. They come down to eat, and then they go back up to their ceiling, and they just love to huddle up there, and it's super cute. It is really cute. Um, tell me about the the way that they move on the, the mesh. So bats actually have a really cute way of walking. Um, they do actually walk with all four legs. So they use their back legs and their front wings um, to walk. So they actually swing themselves forward and they'll hook it with their thumb. Um, and then they take a step with their opposite back foot and hook their little claws in. And then they'll swing their other arm forward. So it's actually really cute. They have this like little swinging gait they use when they're walking across the mesh or across branches. And of course they can fly if they need to. And um, I'm curious, I when I was in there, I couldn't tell. Do they have... Like, are their claws more like sloth-type claws where they can't move them at all? Or are they, um, I, I guess prehensile is probably not the right word. That's normally what you say with tail. But you know what I mean. Are they, they mo- motive, mo- motile, motile, motile. That's what I'm looking for. Are they motile? Time for interrupting John yet again. Um, opposable thumbs would have worked. Uh, not, not motile. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes doing interviews live is hard. Anyway, back to said interview. So it's a lot like your own thumb. Um, They have all the same joints we do. It's just much longer. Um, And then their claw is fixed. So their claw doesn't move. And that's just a long nail. Um, But they have all the same joints in their thumb that we do. So they can move their thumb as much as you can. Oh, that's so cool. I truly had no idea. That's awesome. Um, Very cool. So when you come to Elmwood Park Zoo and you want to see the bats, where can you see them? So our bats actually live in our wildlife lodge. It used to be called the Bayou a while back, so some people might still know it as that. Um, But we've updated the name to kind of reflect how we have different species in there now, too. And um, what else do you have in there that you take care of? So that is also our reptile house. Um, We have a black rat snake who lives in there, George, our eastern box turtle. Um, Recently, we just had Rocky, the red-tailed boa from Education, move up there. Um, so he's actually living in Penny Gator's old indoor exhibit. Um, if you haven't been here yet, Penny, our alligator, used to have an outdoor and an indoor exhibit. But recently, she just got an updated outdoor exhibit that is also roofed and heated. So she can live there year-round now. So Rocky Boa got a huge upgrade. and <laughs> He lives in her old enclosure. Um, we also have our dart frogs in there and our tree frogs and both of our monkey species. So we have golden lion tamarins and white-faced sake monkeys. Very cool. And you take care of all of those? Yep, I do. Who is your favorite? That's very hard. I really, really love the bats. They're one of my favorites in that building. Um, It's hard for me because I tend to have favorite individuals, um, but I really like Clementine, our female sake monkey, um, who's about two years old. And I also really, really enjoy the bats. Pretty much all of them, purple bat being my favorite. 
Okay, cool. So, um, why is Purple Bat your favorite? She is just one of the nicest bats we have. Um, she really seems to come down and interact with us a lot more. Some of the other bats do also come down too. Um, but Purple Bat seems to actually enjoy coming down to see us, maybe getting some lettuce, yelling in our faces, you know, the things bats do. They do do that. It was, uh, it was not the quietest room I've ever been in while we, while we were in there. Um, not the loudest either though, but man, when they get going, they get, they're screamers. Yes. And they tend to argue a lot too. That's interesting. So what, um, and, and, uh, listeners, I will throw in some, uh, bat vocalizations in here. But what is the purpose of, of their vocalizations? So a lot of it actually is arguments. Um, they're fighting over space or food or telling the other bat to move. I'm trying to walk here. Um, so, and sometimes they do have softer, nicer sounds that they make with each other. And those are harder for us to hear because they're a little bit quieter. But generally, they're loud ones that we're going to hear of them telling the other bat, hey, move, I'm walking here. Interesting. And what, um, that brings up a question, which is what, uh, what is their society like? Yes, yeah, so they, they do live in um, in little colonies. They're not necessarily all related. Um, so like I mentioned, these bats live in some of the largest colonies of any bats, and they're definitely not all related. So there's thousands of bats that will live together in the wild, and they're, they tend to be together for safety and for warmth. Um, so part of it is safety in numbers. So not everyone can get eaten when there's thousands of bats all flying together at the same time. Um, and then the other part of it is that when they roost at night, or during the day, rather, for these guys, um, they can sleep near each other and conserve energy and body heat because they don't have to worry about heating themselves so much when they're all huddled together. Is there any kind of uh, hierarchy or leadership or anything like that, or is it a free-for-all? It's mostly a free-for-all. Some bats are a little bit more dominant than others, um, and usually that's because they're a little bit more willing to be aggressive and fight versus run away. Um, but for the most part, it is kind of just a free-for-all. There isn't, like, one bat who's in charge. Okay, interesting. Um, I did notice that when I fed Purple Bat the lettuce uh, and she went away to eat it, another bat came up and tried to get it, and she just wrapped her wings around her entire self while eating the lettuce. Um, is that a common defense mechanism? Yeah, so she was shielding her lettuce from the other bat, um, but don't let her fool you. She does not mind yelling or stabbing at the other bat with her thumb claw. Um, she is one of our more dominant bats. So usually it's her stealing food from the other bats. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, are there any other bats in your colony that have standout personalities that you'd like to tell me about? Um, we do have, have one little bat who actually had a partial amputation of some of his wing skin in the past. Um, he is actually not one of our, he's not mean, um, but he's not as friendly as Purple Bat. Um, but he is actually... I really like him a lot. He's usually just watching me from the ceiling, um, and he won't come down and eat from me. But once in a while, he does, which makes my day. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's actually been through a lot, that little guy. He got an injury on his skin, um, and it ended up not healing well, so we ended up having to do an amputation of the skin. But he still gets along just fine. It healed up super nice, and you won't even know that he's different from any of the other bats. That's really awesome. So tell me a little bit about um, you. How did you get into this career? So I'm kind of a weirdo. Um, when I was yeah, I've gotten that impression yeah. already. <laughs> when I was like three years old, um, I used to tell my parents that I was going to be a marine biologist and work at SeaWorld or work with Shamu because I loved all the Shamu shows on like National Geographic and Animal Planet. I also absolutely loved Steve Irwin's shows, so I used to watch him. And if I say so myself, I had a pretty good impression of him. Well, let's hear it. Crikey. <laughs> 
I actually had a whole thing. I used to have a fake lizard that I would throw on the floor and then jump on it and catch it and show my family. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> that is, that might be my favorite thing I've heard uh, in a while now. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done that in years, but when I was little, I used to. Um, but yeah, so I eventually found out I couldn't actually scuba dive because I have whatever wrong with my jaw. Don't know. Can't dive. So I was like, well, that kind of puts a damper on my marine biologist plan. Um, but I love animals and I knew forever that I've wanted to work with them. So I actually switched to terrestrial animals. So I decided to try and be a zookeeper. Um, and I went to school. I have a bachelor's degree in captive wildlife care and education, which is a super long way of saying zookeeper. (laughs) Where did you get that at? Um, I actually went to school up in Maine, um, at a very tiny college called Unity College, um, which I, I did choose because of the specialized degree. A lot of our keepers are actually from um, Delaware Valley College, though, which is kind of near here. I think it's about 40 minutes away Okay. because they also have some specialized degrees for this. Um, but yeah, I got that degree. I had some internships. I had another job all the way in Kansas, um, and I'm originally from Connecticut. So oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a hike. And then um, I saw this job open up, and I applied, and I got the job, and I've been here for almost five years now. And have you been in the Wildlife Lodge the entire time? I have pretty much worked there, yeah, since I've started. Um, I worked, I used to rotate through all five of our areas that we have here. And then I, when we cut back on how many areas each keeper took care of, um, I kept the wildlife lodge, um, the giraffe barn, and the jaguar building. So those are the three areas I work in. Very cool. And uh, jags here, the, uh, the trail of the jaguar, is um, insane. It's such a cool exhibit. Um even though we're going off spooky a little bit, tell me a little bit about your uh, your animals up there. Um, so we actually have all of our cats up there now, except for Moose the bobcat. He still lives in the aviary. Um, but we have an ocelot up there, Mateo. We have both of our cougars, Russet and Yukon, moved up there. And we have three jaguars. We have Luna, Inca, and Zian. So it's Inca the mom, Zian's the dad, and Luna's their baby. But she's about four and a half now, so she's not so much a baby anymore, but she'll always be a baby to me. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. Um, and I know that uh, she's, um, her brother, Diego, is now down in Memphis and is a dad. He is. Um, and I got to go down there and, and see him being all adulty now. And it was very, very interesting to see him. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so is uh, is Luna going to be going anywhere, do we know? Is she part of the SSP? Or? She is part of the SSP. Um COVID has kind of put a damper on animal moves, so she won't be moving probably for another few years or so, unless something changes. Of course, yeah. Yeah, they would, I think, eventually like to pair her with a male. Um, so Zian is actually, he has half wild genetics. So, oh, wow. Yes, his father was actually a wild jaguar um, that was rescued and brought into captivity, and he had two cubs. He had Zian and his brother. So she does have good genetics, so we would like to help those become more represented. Um, but yes, Diego did have two daughters, so we'll see what happens. It does depend on time and everything, so we'll see. Of course, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, oh, that's awesome, though. That's, I would love, I, I, my favorite, least favorite thing is the species survival plan, I always say, because I think it's amazing, I think it's incredible, I think it's important, I love it, I support it, I talk about it all the time, but I also don't want her to go anywhere. I just love seeing her so much. Yeah, I definitely love her. She is my favorite jaguar, don't tell everyone else. (laughs) Um... But yeah, she's she's really great. She loves toys. She's super interactive. She loves people. Um, we still wouldn't go in with her because she'll no, still eat us. Of course, yes. <laughs> but yeah, but lovingly, she would eat but, you lovingly. Yes, 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 with love. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, we're sitting here talking about jaguars, which would happily eat and and maul and kill. And even though you know you love them, and no one thinks of them as spooky. 
But then bats, which eat fruit and have puppy dog faces. Everyone's like, ah, stay away. Um, which actually reminds me, you were telling me a little bit about um, what you'll hear parents saying sometimes when you're there. Tell me about that and, and why that can be uh, detrimental. Yeah, so a lot of times um, I'm working in that building and I can kind of hear when people walk in and it makes me so happy when little kids walk in and they are just like, bats! And they just lose their minds because they're so excited because bats are really so cool and where else do you get to see a bat? Um, but then sometimes the parents will walk in and they'll be like, ew, gross, bats. And then sometimes the little kids will also be like, oh, gross, bats. Um, and they just had so much passion for the bats that just gets kind of squished so fast. And it's no one's fault. Um, but sometimes our kids will listen to what we say and then they're like, maybe that's the way I should feel, even though I thought bats were like super neat. Um, so sometimes it's just, it's a little sad because people think bats are really gross and they're really not that yucky. They do poop wherever they are, but in their defense, they live in the trees, so they don't have to deal with the poop. Um, but, and they don't like to poop on us. I've only been pooped on like twice and I've worked here five years with these bats. I do get peed on sometimes, but that's okay. Sometimes when you're flying, you know, it's hard. So yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. you just have to pee a little. It happens. (laughs) Um, no, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't hoping that I'd got, gotten a little bit of poop or pee on me when I was in there with the bats, but uh, no luck, no luck. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a weird thing about animal people, but not only do we not mind the, the poop stuff, but in a way you're kind of like, it's almost a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sometimes you get pooped on and you're like, wow, you know, today I got pooped on by an elk. I don't even know how that happened, Yeah, but yeah. it's impressive. <laughs> I, um, when... Uh, when the zoo was flooded, the lower section of the zoo was flooded, I came in and helped with the cleanup. And uh, I took care of um, the otter habitat and Penny's new home um, and the uh, where the, the geese and, and Mr. Wilson and stuff are right now. And um, when I got home, I knew that I distinctly had four different kinds of poop on me. And I wore that like a badge of honor. Like I was telling people about it the next day and I was like, yeah, I got home and I was covered in mud and four types of poop and everyone was like, ew. And I was like, no, four, t- four types of poop. It was such a good productive day. And everyone was like, ew. And I was like, no, 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 you guys, seriously, poop. It's awesome. It is, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So I'm curious, if, uh, if you weren't a zookeeper, what do you think you'd be doing? That's really hard. I've thought about it sometimes. I'm like, what would I be doing otherwise? Um, I'm really not sure. I've volunteered at, like, nature centers before um, and done some education through there. And I think that I might do something like that. Um, It's hard sometimes. I love education. I love giving keeper talks. I love doing stuff like this. This is fun. Um, But I think that I I also love animal care so much that I wouldn't want to give up taking care of the animals just to purely do more education-based things. Yeah, like, I, I really do love taking care of the animals. And that's, like, my main focus here is to make sure they have really awesome, fun lives while they're here. Um, but yeah, probably something to do with like a nature center, animal rescues, um, maybe more education based kind of career. Cool. Very cool. Um, so since I've got you here and since we're talking about some spooky stuff, um, tell me about your snakes. So we have, uh, Sirius Black, the black rat snake. Oh my gosh. Seriously? That's yes. amazing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even catch that one. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is seriously the best. Um, I <laughs> love him. He is such a good boy. Um, he is a full-size adult black rat snake, so he's actually quite long. He's about 
six-ish feet long. Um, we haven't actually stretched him out on a tape measure, but he's longer than I am tall. Um, and I'm about five, seven-ish. So he's, he's close to six or a little over six feet. Um, but yeah, he's not super thick. He's probably, is that about two inches around? Um, yeah, but he's such a nice boy. He loves to just come out and hang out with people. Um, and they actually do live in this area. Black rat snakes are super helpful. They do exactly what their name says, and they eat rats. Um, so they're actually really nice to have around. They're not venomous. They're not mean. Um, they're actually really good at climbing trees if they want to. Uh, Sirius actually has a taller exhibit, so he has what we like to call a little snake ladder. Um, and he'll go up and down, and one side's his hot box, and the other's his cooler box. So if he wants to be nice and cold, he'll go down to the bottom there. Um, but yeah, he's super amazing. And our other guy is Rocky. The red-tailed boa. Um, he is named after Rocky Balboa. Oh, so. oh! You guys do like the puns. We really. I do. knew I liked the zoo. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't worked with him as much because he is mainly an education animal. So he's actually one of the guys who would go out on a program, um, and he's quite long too. I I don't know for sure how long he is, but he's well over six feet. And since he's a boa, he's much heftier. So he's he's more like four to five inches across at his right, biggest right. Par- portion. Um, but he's a, a South American species, so he doesn't live around here, so you don't have to worry about finding, you know, an eight-foot <laughs> snake in your backyard. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very sweet, too. He's a very nice snake. Um, he goes on programs, and he's super nice at those things, so he's, he's a really good boy. He's actually right now chilling in his pool. He Ooh. loves sitting in his pool. Um, he's about to shed, too, so he's kind of soaking to get ready for that. Nice. Very cool. And, um, you know, snakes are another animal that a lot of people have a kind of, um, fear of, I'm going to say an irrational fear, although there are some snakes that it's more rational, but um, in general, a lot of people will see a garter snake and freak out, or, or like you said, like a rat snake. So talk to me about that a little bit, and, and why should people not be afraid of snakes? Yeah, I've heard actually a lot of people are afraid of them just because they don't have any legs, which I think is, a, is it's valid, but um, they have their own special way of moving, and they're really cool. I love watching snakes just slither around. It's super cool. Yes. They actually will use their um, ventral scales on their belly. They're really long and kind of shaped like a rectangle. They'll actually use those to pull themselves up along the ground. They have specific muscles to move those scales. Um, they'll also just use parts of their body to push themselves forward like a little inchworm, but sideways. Um, and I just think they're super, super neat. They have so many cool adaptations. Some of them can literally see heat, and that's so cool. <laughs> like, I wish I had heat vision. Um, I think a lot of people are freaked out, too, because they don't have eyelids, and they don't blink. So it can be a little bit nerve-wracking to just have a sleeping snake look like it's staring at you, um, but they're really not. Okay, so this might be a dumb question, but how can you tell that a snake is sleeping? So usually, if they don't look at you, and their tongue isn't like coming out of their mouth actively, and they look like they're really comfy, they're probably asleep. <laughs> so sometimes I come in and Sirius is just in a little pile, and his little head will just be sitting on top of his body, like his body is a pillow, right? and he'll just be not moving, except for breathing occasionally, and that usually means he's asleep. Sometimes he doesn't wake up until you poke him either, because he can be a little heavy sleeper sometimes. Oh, wow. That's, that's hilarious. I, uh... I, I can't. I can't picture Sirius. Is Sirius in the Wildlife Watch? He is. Yeah, he's the very long black snake. That well, yeah, up. obviously. I just yeah. I can't for whatever reason. I want to. Oh man, I want to. I want to see him. I love. I love snakes. I really love snakes. Yeah. We have a Western hog nose. Um, we used to have a Western hog nose. She was named Hogwart. Nice, nice, very, very cool. Um, ours is AJ, but uh, I call him Snakey McSnakeface. 
and uh, he's 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 small still. He's, he's oh, just a little new. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think maybe a year and a half ago now. Yeah, and um, yeah, just a joy, just a joy to watch move and watch. You know, and very yeah. uh, very friendly. Like you said, you can you can have friendly snakes. Yeah, like and hognoses are so charismatic oh, too. Yeah, yeah, they have one of the cutest snake faces. Mm-hmm. I, in my own personal opinion. Oh, hands down. Hands yeah, down. they yeah. have a little pig nose, mm-hmm. just like their name suggests. Yep, and they like to use that nose to dig and a burrow, and if you're holding them in your hand, they will burrow, and it, it doesn't hurt, it's not like it moves you or anything, but they will make that motion and go all around your fingers and stuff, um, trying to burrow into them and, and wrapping themselves around. Um, I wear a couple of uh, beaded bracelets normally, and and um, AJ will go between my fingers and under the, the beads and just all over and just turn my hand into his little playground. And it's, it's really, really cool and really adorable. Yeah. Those guys are also kind of drama queens too, though. Has your guy ever played dead on you? No, no, not that. Or not done the fake, um, cause they also have a, like almost a Cobra response. Yes. Except they're just doing it to scare you off. Never has happened. Um, he's super well socialized. We, we pull him out for movie night. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes in the wild, if you find those guys, if you upset them, they very dramatically die and they stick their tongue out and they poop so it smells horrible <laughs> that way the predator thinks they're dead and gross and they shouldn't eat them and they just throw themselves onto their back <laughs> if you try to flip them back over they just throw themselves back again onto their back they're like no i'm dead <laughs> animals are amazing oh that's so great um okay so a couple of questions to wrap this up number one i want to open the floor to you and uh, are there any conservation organizations or just any kind of shout out that you want to give or anything like that? Um, I just know a really cool facility that actually does a lot of bat research is the Luby Bat Foundation. Um, I believe they're located down in Florida, but they're a really cool place to check out if you ever want to know more about bats. Um, They also help every other facility who holds bats too. They're really, really awesome. Um, One thing that people should watch out for. I'm, I mentioned that there's a species of Mexican bat that eats agave nectar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of people have been switching to agave as a, a sugar substitute and a honey substitute. Um, that's not actually super great. It's actually hurting the bats. Um, so that's kind of something to keep an eye on. It's not awful to have some agave syrup, but it's not great for the bats to switch entirely to that. Um, and I don't know off the top of my head if there's any type of conservation we're going towards helping to protect more agave plants in the wild. Um, But if there was, it'd be definitely nice to help look into that because that's a huge issue for bats right now. And it's time for Interrupting John yet again. So I did a little research on this, and it turns out that there is a group called Bat Conservation International that you can check out at batcon.org that has a project right now that is working to restore agave for nectar-feeding bats, especially in Mexico and the southwestern United States. Check it out. It looks like a really cool organization and a really good plan. Okay, back to the interview. Um, it is kind of surprising too. I know a lot of people are like, agave is sustainable and it's really nice, but it's, it is actually killing bats. Wow. Yeah. I had no clue. I, I'm, I don't use agave, but I'm, I'm not going to either. That's really cool. Thank you for that yeah. information. That's, that's awesome. Luby Bat Conservancy. Um, really interesting fact about that. Uh, since you brought it up, this has been on the podcast before, but for those that missed that episode, um, it's Lewis Picardi. 
of that Bacardi, Bacardi rums and all that kind of stuff. And um, he was just fascinated with bats. And as a matter of fact, if you look at the Bacardi logo, there's a bat on there. So just a fun little interesting fact um, that Louis Bacardi is one of the people who helped grow all of this bat research and grow this organization that now helps bat conservation worldwide. So if you want to go have a drink with some Bacardi, hey, you're helping the bats. <laughs> so yeah, just a fun little fact that you might find interesting. So hit me with your Rasafari poop story. Well, since we're on the topic of bats, how about one of the two times I've been pooped on? Because it was, to this day, one of the worst poops I've ever, I've ever experienced. Um, yeah, so when we clean the bats, um, we have to rinse the floor and scrub it because, like I said, they just kind of poop all over the floor. Um, and their poops are more liquidy than you'd expect, but they do eat a lot of, like, fruit juice. So they don't have a ton of fiber in their diet. Um, and you would think eating fruit, they're eating the whole fruit, but they usually juice it. So they have really gross poop. Um, yeah, so one time I, I felt the pitter-patter of pee hitting me, and I went, oh no, what comes next? Poop, obviously, with the bats. And I tried to dodge, and it did not work. And the largest bat poop I've ever seen <laughs> landed on my head, went through my hair immediately to my scalp, and then dripped down the back of my neck, and went down my shirt, all <laughs> the way down to the bottom of my shirt. It was horrible. Um, but I still finished cleaning those bats. <laughs> And then I, uh, I took a sink shower of, of shame. Uh, but luckily that day I did have a spare shirt. I, I try to keep one, but I'm not always good. But that one day I had an extra shirt and I was like, thank nice. goodness. Yeah. Nice. Because I knew bats pretty early in the morning too. So I, I really didn't want to have a giant bat poop streak straight down my back for the rest of the day. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. No problem. It was really fun. Yay. Okay, now I'm going to take you into the bat cave. Or at least the bat exhibit at Elmwood Park Zoo. So we'll just have to shut this. Purple Bat is currently walking away, but she just looked at us. So she has little um, thumb rings, mm -hmm. and she's got purple and white. She's thinking about it. Oh, somebody's down. That's Purple Bat. Okay. She probably saw that lettuce, and she was like, I'm going to give me some lettuce. We had um, an even nicer bat. We called him Peppermint Bat because he was white and red bands. And anytime we have a branch like coming by the door, whenever we walk in, he'd just be literally angry, screaming into your face. And as you clean, he would like follow you around. That's he amazing. Was, he was the nicest bad. Uh -huh. Here she comes now. If you want to hand her this, she might take it from you. You can hold something for you if you need to do it. It's just the recorder. She does really enjoy lettuce, so she might take it. Or she rejects it. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if that lettuce is good enough. She's great though. Sometimes you watch her like walk away with a piece of lettuce the same size as her body. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, hang out and look at the rest. And they're like, oh. Okay. Yeah, they're like, she, she doesn't have okay, so maybe. Yeah, we have, I think it's like three or four bats who are like super, super skittish. And then the rest are like right in the middle. Like they'll come down if it's one person usually, but sometimes if there's more, they get a little bit nervous. Gotcha. I know they're always so angry too. <laughs> Oh, look at her eating that. It is the cutest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's literally adorable. <laughs> like I said, she loves lettuce so much. Like, she will literally eat half of that container. She just, like, sits in it and eats all of the lettuce. And once in a while, one of the other bats comes over and snags a little piece. Yeah, I always did think it was weird though how much our bats like greens. Because these guys in the wild really, they do eat a lot of fruit, but I guess if you have tasty leaves, why not? Yeah, I love these guys. Nothing leaves me sadder than when people walk in the building and just start saying, you gross. Because <laughs> this is the first thing everyone sees. I don't, I don't understand, granted it's normally dark in here, you can't see their faces as well, but Every bad exhibit I go to, even the ones where you can see their faces, they look like puppy dogs. Yeah. They literally do. They're the cutest animal. Yeah, sometimes I come out of the back and just like, guys, you should look at their faces because they have tiny little dog faces. Like, they're really cute. Yeah, they really are. I mean, honestly, they don't have to have dog faces to be cute. Because, no, but in this case, like, they do. Yeah, like little brown bats are adorable. They're tiny little smush faces. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Our signs have their, their faces on them, too, but people just think <laughs> It makes me so sad too. Sometimes kids come in and they're like, oh, bats! And they're like all pumped, and then their parents are like, ew, gross. And then the little kid goes, oh, gross. I'm yeah. like, no. That, um, one of the reasons I want to conquer my, my fear of spiders and start working on it is I have a son, yeah. and um, he's afraid of all bugs, including spiders. And my ability to reach out and barehand things and not be freaked out, even when internally with a spider, I'd be freaking out. Yeah. I don't want him to have that fear. I don't want yeah. him to worry. So, yeah. They're so good. They are, yeah. And they're so soft. I don't know if you've ever gotten a touch of that. No. They feel like velvet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Purple bat usually doesn't care if someone like touches her back, um, but it's just not the same now because we have to wear the gloves. No, of course. Because of um, COVID. But like, yeah, normally if you're not wearing gloves and stuff, like you can feel how soft they are. She doesn't, she gives you like, side eye. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? But she doesn't care that much. And usually I give her like a banana or a leaf after and she's like, that's fine. When this crap's over, I'm hitting you up again and cutting your back. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are so cute. I love these guys so much. I never worked with bats before I was here either. And I truly don't love them. Like I knew I liked bats beforehand, but mm. like I like them so much more now. That's awesome. Yeah. I do wish they were easier to tell apart though. We only have like, we have two other girls that have thumb rings. We tr I think we tried once before I actually started working here to put thumb rings on our, our babies. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, they fell off every time, so we just stopped. So now the only ones who have thumb rings are the, the three girls who came originally. So we have purple bat, blue bat, and red bat. And then pretty much everyone was born here. Okay. And a lot of them are boys. Yeah. And they're a little nervous, but they're definitely not like as nervous as they can be. Okay, they're just 
tell me if I need to yeah. go. No, no, they're, they're actually pretty calm. Okay. Um, they, when they do freak out, they fly a lot more. Gotcha. Um, or they start to slip when they're walking away. But as long as, like, it's all slow and calm, then they can just walk away and they're okay. She took lettuce from me. She did, I mean, yeah. She came all the way down and took lettuce the first time. Alright, yeah, she let them? Yeah, we'll let them come down. I feel <laughs> While also loving every second of it. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I said a bet. <laughs> I love those. Well, in case you couldn't tell, I really, really loved my time talking to Kelsey. Bats and snakes are just incredible creatures, and it was so cool getting to spend some time with them. Remember to check out at Safari on Insta and Facebook for pics of my time with those adorable animals. Also, you can find Elmwood Park Zoo online at Elmwood Park Zoo on the socials and at elmwoodparkzoo.org. Also, make sure you check out their YouTube page, as they have done a ton of amazing virtual content since the pandemic began. Remember, part two of the Spooky Spectacular drops on Tuesday, and then part three will be out on Thursday. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari, on the web at Rossafari.com, or email me directly at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.